and we're back, Jim. Here we are yet again. Yet again. In the studio. And another release from the archive. Hi, guys. Welcome to the Dude What Movie Review Podcast. Dude What? I'm one half of the hosting squad, Mr. Brian Sumner. Jim Miller is sitting over there. Say hi, Jim. Hello, Jim. Wow. We're having a lot of fun here in the studio. Getting you guys caught up on our archive. A little out of sequence, but that's okay. We talked about that, Jim. That's right. We talked about it. We got some specialties rolling out for you guys that are out of sequence. We had the unofficial Valentine's Day special last week. So much fun. Hope you guys enjoyed that little gem from the archive. It's freaking great. It's one of those that I always go back to for a good laugh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Whereas this episode, whew. Yeah, you talk about you know, yin and a yang. Oh, here. my gosh. You want to laugh? You go back to episode 29. You want some thought-provoking conversation? Episode 30 is the episode that you want, titled Denzel. Obviously, we're talking about Denzel Washington. Black History Month. We set this up in honor of Black History Month because it's the month of February. And you guys are listening to it right now in the month of February. Just to kind of note, because I I think we do have listeners all over the world, actually. Yeah. Black History Month is is one of those things that the United States has kind of set aside as like uh, all of February is just a, a time to honor, you know, black Americans who uh, have sacrificed and have given uh, right. to help build uh, a future. That's uh, right. For just really for everybody. But right. um, it's just kind of that time where we, we sit and honor that. And so if you're listening from uh, not in the U.S. Right. And you're like, what is this Black History Month that you're talking about? That's that's what that is. Is That's something that uh, from a cultural standpoint, that's what we uh, we kind of do in the U.S. Right. So. I just thought, I don't know. I just felt like I need to bring that up. Yes, I see no, the numbers a, and I see that, you know, we've got people listening all over. So. It's important. It's yeah. important for people to understand that distinction of why we do that here in the U.S. because this is a country that's had a lot of turmoil with regard to the black community for a long time. And, you know, you'd like to think that we're turning that corner and turning that page, but I don't know. It's kind of tough out there sometimes. But February, Black History Month, I mean, we certainly honor that and respect that. And, you know, we did that on our show to just show a little bit of respect, a little bit of love. And obviously, with this episode, with the title Denzel, you know that Jim picked Denzel. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> <laughs> he had Denzel Washington, Whoopi Goldberg, and Morgan Freeman were the choices. Yeah. Obviously, Jim chose Denzel. It's no surprise on that one right there. But I think the movies that were selections kind of did surprise Jim. And what we ended up watching was a big surprise as well. But big I will surprise s- for both of us. Yes, because I will say that this was back-to-back True Dude What movies. Two episodes in a row that we had films that neither one of us had watched. So we went into it not knowing anything about these films and generated so much good conversation. <laughs> like really, truly so much good conversation. Like a lot of stuff even behind the scenes. Absolutely. And we're going to touch on that on the back half of this re-release here in a little bit. So you have that to look forward to. But Jim, right now... Let's talk about this episode right now and some production notes and some movie notes about this. This was our 30th episode, man, on our original run. Which was a big deal. It was a huge deal. We didn't think that we'd actually make it to 30, and I actually make mention of that on this episode. I didn't think we'd make it that far. Yeah. No, neither did I, and I don't think anybody else did either. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's people out there that still don't know. (laughs) Man, we put in a ton of work on this show. And to get to 30 was a huge milestone for us. And we're still here, man. Yeah. We're still here. We're still kicking it. We're still doing our thing. And we're having a lot of fun doing it. (laughs) One funny thing about this episode, Jim and I were listening back to some of the audio from it before we started recording this episode. And one thing that was very noticeable, Jim, two things, actually, two things very noticeable. One, production quality. (laughs) Yeah. Not as good as it is now. We sound exquisite now. Back then, not so much. (laughs) 
but especially on this episode. You know why, Jim? Because this was another week and another episode where one of us sounded like death, and it was me. It was you, yes. (laughs) I believe there was a behind-the-scenes clip called Welcome to Death House, Yeah, if that gives you any indication. We've already established that I was patient zero back at uh, Table Scraps. (laughs) Go back and listen to that, dudewhatpod.com slash specials. Check out this past year's Table Scraps, and you can listen to the sound bites from when I was near death Patient zero, COVID. We don't have any hard evidence on that, but I guarantee I was. It's just the facts. It's just simple facts. (laughs) That's all we do here is talk about facts, Jim. (laughs) For sure. But yes, we had another episode where one of us was sick, and so the sound quality is a little off, and I sound god-awful on here, so be warned of that for sure. Yeah, so not only illnesses uh, yet again, but uh, Uncle Dane makes some Uncle Dane, man. Always showing some love for Dane Cook, man. Because of the illness, it inspired... Dane Cook being a part of our show <laughs> again, did, and he has did. no idea that he's even a part of our show. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I don't know who these guys are. Who are these guys? Just stop. Just stop. Leave me alone. <laughs> Still waiting on him to invite us over for Christmas. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. That fancy, fancy house. <laughs> one thing about this episode that I'd like to point out is that this was another one of those episodes where it was a happy coincidence. We've had a ton of those on our show, and if you go back and listen in the archive or just stay tuned to this feed this year, in 2023, you're going to see that along the way. We had so many episodes where things just popped up along the way that we didn't plan. Right. Like, literally, the only thing that we ever really planned for was the first episode, Jaws. We planned to release that during Shark Week. Yeah. And that was literally the only thing we ever planned. Shark Week. And that was the, yeah. <laughs> so long ago. That was the year that Michael Phelps raced a shark. So I Wait, do remember what? that. I don't yeah. even remember that. Oh, yeah, I do. Wow. I, I made all these memes about <laughs> about Michael Phelps. I think I even tagged Michael Phelps. He probably was like, who are these guys? Who the hell are those guys? But, yeah, more happy coincidences on this one. You know, we ended up talking about in our movie talk. I mean, you're going to hear that on here in a little bit. We had a movie talk where we actually got to talk about a very important black actor and a very important film using black actors that has kind of carved its own space in history with regard to cinema and more recent cinema, really. Yeah. And it's a big deal. And we got to touch on that a little bit. It was a really big deal and it was timely and it felt right talking about it at the time. And so, again, like I said, another one of those happy coincidences. So you guys have that to look forward to whenever you check out this episode. It's going to be a lot of fun to do that for sure. And speaking of uh, happy coincidences, yeah. I'm not mistaken, this was also another rental. <laughs> it makes me sad, Jim. It makes it me so sad. It was another rental. It was. Gosh, I miss, I miss family. I miss family video, man. Yeah. It was like a part of the family. Family video was a part of the family. It really was. And then they died. Oh, wow. Right before they <laughs> right before they became a sponsor. <laughs> it was never going to happen, Jim. They were going to be a sponsor. They I were, knew it. Yeah. In your heart, you believe that. <laughs> you are wrong. But anyway, we did have another rental on the docket for that one. So like we said in the past, man, rentals generally fare well with us on this show. So we were excited going into this episode. We were excited because it was Denzel, and then we were excited because it was a rental. So we had a lot of positive things working towards us. So we were really excited, and I think we should just go ahead and kick it to the show right now. Let's do it. So we're going to go ahead and turn the reins over to our episode to you guys. Listen. Take it in. You're going to hear us talking about Denzel in a Denzel movie. It's so much fun. 
has not been fun here no, at no. the house. So, other than flu and illness, what's going on with you, man? Mainly, that's been it. <laughs> that's just it. <laughs> <laughs> that's been a very large portion of my life lately. So, right. kind of interesting. So, Annabelle, she's sick, and she sounds like a little whiny, wheezy, just almost like a little robot kind of <laughs> thing, you know. And then, then you've got Nora, who she has like this little frog thing going in her throat. So she, but she, so she sounds like a little a ninety-year-old with emphysema, <laughs> like you know. <laughs> Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Right, yes. Yeah. I sound sexy. <laughs> She's like, Daddy, play with me. I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> Somebody call a priest. Speak like the devil. <laughs> play with me. Bitch, you need Jesus. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're feeling better. Yeah. I'm on the mend. I'm getting there. Yeah. Hopefully uh, this will all get out of our system. Right. Hopefully enough. we won't keep this cycle going. No, it's got to be terrible. You guys that are tuning in, listening to the show, this is a big moment. I mean, this is episode number 30 for us. Dude, huge moment. It's kind of a, a milestone, I would say, wouldn't uh, you? I, yeah. Considering I didn't think we'd get past 10 episodes. <laughs> right? The big 3-0, <laughs> man. That's a big deal. I think it's a big deal, too. And it happens to fall on Black History Month, which is, you know, what our topic for right, the category right. is this week. But we'll get to that in a little bit. So uh, kind of a big deal. 30th episode, Black History Month. A lot of things happen in this episode, honestly. Yeah. Why don't we just go ahead and dive into a little bit of movie talk? All right, let's do it. Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? I just want to watch my movie. <laughs> Every time. Every freaking time makes me laugh. Oh, man. Have you seen any good movies lately? Well, I've started watching The Hateful Eight. I haven't gotten very far into it. That's a Tarantino flick. It is. It is. I haven't watched it. I've heard mixed reviews on it. I have, too. But so far, I've, I've enjoyed it. I don't know. It's very heavy on the dialogue. Which obviously to be expected from Tarantino, right? Yeah, but so far, I mean, what I've seen so far of it's been pretty good. Now, what's that about? I, I don't know much about the. Well, from what I can gather, basically, there is a a bunch of kind of a ragtag different group of I'm not going to say outlaws, just of different people in the right. West that they all kind of meet up in this cabin in a uh, in the middle of a blizzard. As of right now, I'm to the point near the beginning where you've got a couple of headhunters that meet on the road and they're kind of traveling together now, but one has. A lady who we don't know what she's done, but we think she's probably killed some people, and <laughs> yeah, and I don't know. So it's it's interesting. Is it Uma Thurman? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, because then we would know that she. Yeah, then we people. would know she definitely killed yeah, people. At least Bill. So <laughs> a lot of people and Bill and Bill. <laughs> Poor guy. I mean, I'm I'm in the process of watching that. When the handbill says dead or alive, the rest of us just shoot you in the back, come up on top of perch somewhere, and bring you in dead over a saddle. But when John Roof, the hangman, catches you, you hang. That and then actually just today watched Paddington with, uh, okay. with Nora. So that was actually a lot of fun. So she's gotten into the, wanting to watch it. For me, it made me want to go back and look at the old children's books and stuff. So, so I used to read Paddington whenever I was a kid. Yeah. I feel like it does a really good job of honoring, from what I remember as a child, from my childhood with the book. It's a really sweet story. It's a fun story. I just think they do a really good job with Paddington and creating that character. So. Hello. Hello there. Mary. This young bear needs our help, Henry. It's just one night. Do bears even have names? My name is... Or perhaps you'd like an English name. An English name? Paddington. Paddington. Paddington? Oh. Sorry. So movies, have you seen any? 
No, it's been a down week as far as movies. Yeah. The funny thing is, we haven't been watching movies, but with us getting sick towards the end of the week, for some reason, my wife decided to start watching Nurse Jackie on Netflix. Oh, yeah? I think she'd been watching it that day while I was at work. I mean, she's quarantined to the bedroom, so right, she couldn't right. do anything. I come in, and I'm like, is this Nurse Jackie? And she's like, yeah. I go, how much of this have you watched? She goes, almost two seasons. <laughs> <laughs> so she had binged like almost two seasons. So wow. I, mean, I was sick, and I wasn't going anywhere, so I just laid down the bed. I was like, all right, let's do this. So, right. I mean, uh, we're, we're like almost to the fifth season now. <laughs> oh, wow. Man. <laughs> That's what happens whenever you're sick and you got nothing else to do. But uh, Nurse Jackie is one of those shows, I mean, it's kind of almost like shameless. I'm sitting there watching it, and I'm like, there's really not a lot to this show. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's okay. I mean, it obviously sucked me in, but of course, I was near death on the bed, so I couldn't sure. really move. You yeah, know? I was you, like, well, I'm here. You might as well watch I it. I can't you know? fight it. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, do you want to watch something else? I'm like, I can't even reach the remote. <laughs> and even if I could, I wouldn't have the strength to change it, so just watch it. Oh, Eddie, it's all crashing down around me. You're a drug addict. You have no idea what you're talking about. You're going to be okay. You know me. Anyone who knows you knows they don't know you. Find a cure. No, I mean, movies, no, not so much. We rented uh, The Snowman. Oh, yeah. I'm ready to watch that one. Okay. Because I've been seeing that, like, ever since it came out in theaters, and then now that it's been released on DVD, and I see it, uh, the trailer on different DVDs and other movies and stuff, yeah. every time I see it, I'm like, man, that looks so interesting. I, when I first saw the, the posters and stuff, I was like, ah. You're like, this is going to be stupid. Yeah, but then like actually watch a like preview, a I'm like. stupid horror movie. I'm like, But yeah. then, you know, it's got Michael Fassbender in it. He's the lead, and he's awesome. Yeah. I, I keep seeing the trailers. I'm like, this sounds interesting, you know, because it's about a serial, serial killer. killer, yeah. So it's got to be good, I right. mean, to at least some degree, right? And the lady at the desk, whenever I went to check it out, she's like, this is a really good movie. I said, I thought it looked cool. She goes, it's very interesting, and it's it's out there, but it's really good. And I'm like, all right, cool. I'm sold. Let's watch it. <laughs> is this the same lady that you talked to last week? No, it's a different a one. Different a different one. Different okay. one. <laughs> I see you survive. Fatal attraction. Fatal attraction. <laughs> no, it's a different lady this time. So no movies for me yet. One movie I did want to talk about, and it's not a movie that I've seen. It's not a movie that you've seen. Right. But it's definitely a movie that is making some waves. Yeah, it is. It's in its first Especially week. right now. It's right now. Uh, as you guys are hearing this, we're recording the Saturday before you guys hear this. Right. So it's opening weekend for the movie Black Panther. That's right. I have been stoked about this movie for a while. Yeah. Again, we've talked about comic books, Marvel versus DC, all right, that right. stuff. But you guys know that I've never been a fanboy. I wasn't a comic book guy. And so I have no pretense as to what the story is with regards to the Black Panther. Sure. All sure. I know is what I've seen so far in the MCU, which was in Civil War, the introduction of the Black Panther character. Badass. Right. I mean, just right off the jump. I mean, right. you see him on screen, you're like, holy crap, who is this guy? Right. You know? Right. And so when I heard that they were actually doing a Black Panther film, it got me excited because now I get to know more about this character, what this character is about, where he comes from, and where the character's going with regard to the storyline. So I've been super jacked about it. I mean, I don't know how you feel about no, it. No, I, I mean, so when I first saw it coming out, I was like, what the heck is this? Right. You know, because I wasn't familiar with the comic book character, uh, right. Black Panther, uh, growing up. And so, but then when I saw Civil War, right. I was like, oh, yeah. okay. 
And then the more I, you know, seeing the previews coming out, obviously they've been hyping the crap out of this movie, right. like hardcore. But uh, yes, I mean, you know, we've been following a lot of what they're doing and stuff. So I've been really excited to to see it. Trailers look good. I mean, they're projecting that it might hit, what, 200 million Some this ridiculous. weekend alone. Well, it's already breaking records. Usually films are released on Friday, yeah. but they did a special early Thursday release. Right. And I think it shattered records with its Just Thursday that, release. That alone. I mean, it's got a lot of hype for it and people are like super jazzed about it especially yeah. with this character because from what I've gathered Black Panther in the comics was a pretty legit character like, yeah that's very, it's my understanding he, he very was very popular yeah. character yeah. Uh, and not just among comic book geeks and you know people you know fanboys stuff like that but really among African Americans who are always looking for someone to take that leadership role yeah. and give them somebody to kind of champion and cheer for and so the Black Panther came at like a pivotal time where it was like this is kind of important it's so coincidental and I think it's so interesting that we're covering on our episode 30, Black History Month. Right. And this movie is released literally the weekend that we're recording. Right. And it's just one of those happy coincidences that we keep running into as we're doing this show. So I'm super pumped about it. And it makes me wonder, honestly, so, I mean, because we've talked about how a lot of these main characters that were introduced 10 years ago, how a lot of them are coming to the end of their contracts with Marvel. It kind of makes me wonder, like, will Black Panther be one of those that kind of is a carryover into this new season for Marvel? Right. I mean, it seems like they're really the, setting him up for that. I think it probably could just be because the time frame in which the character's been introduced, right. some of these older characters, as far as the you know the actors that are portraying them, yeah, right. their contracts are coming to an end. So there's got to be this new guard that kind of takes over and takes, swings yeah. it into the next wave. Yeah, you know, like they said, you know, here's to the first ten years, and here's to ten more years after. Yeah, you know, so. Marvel isn't going anywhere. They have long-term plans to keep this storyline going. You know, all these in intricate little stories that just kind of build into one universe. Yeah. And Black Panther is one of those really interesting, really exciting characters that could carry over and like almost quote-unquote carry the torch. Yeah. You are a good man. It's a good heart. And it's hard for a good man to be Let's get down to what we do here on the show. We should, actually. Right. Last week, we decided that we're going to celebrate Black History Month, and so I gave Jim some categories. Yep, yeah. Um, yeah, you gave me Denzel, yep. uh, Whoopi, and uh, Morgan Freeman. That's three bigs right there. Really big ones. And, of course, I, I obviously and, chose Denzel. Well, I mean, because, you got to go with Denzel. Right, because... That's your boy. That's right. So the three films that you gave me, which I'll just say... I, out of all these, I'm excited for whatever we get tonight. So, uh, Crimson Tide, uh, 1995 action drama thriller, uh, directed by your friend Tony Scott, um, <laughs> Gene Hackman, and uh, Denzel are in that. They were nominated for three Oscars. Malcolm X, a 1992 biography and drama, directed by Spike Lee, is nominated for two Oscars. And then The Book of Eli, a 2010 action adventure drama, has Mila Kunis, or Myla. I call her Mila, but. <laughs> Directed by the Hughes Brothers. <laughs> so, anyway. so anyway, it's one of those three. What's in the box, Brian? Oh, what's in the box? Well, the box is right there in front of you, sir. Have you sanitized the box, the, the flu box? I think I did. Has it got anything in it? Maybe. Took the death streamers out, though. So. There's no streamers. I know. I gotta... It is a rental. Yep. Very much a rental. $7 in late fees. Malcolm X? Malcolm X. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. Interesting thing about this movie. Yeah. I think it is the only Denzel Washington movie I have never seen. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that makes the third 
true dude what film. Yes. Back to back weeks, by the way. When you said that, I was like, surely it's not Malcolm X. Maybe it is. I don't know. I was excited for any of them. Because it's was Denzel. Like, right. But with Malcolm X, I was like, if it is Malcolm X, I'm excited. Not only because Denzel's in it, but also it's, a, it's directed by Spike Lee. Right. And I think this will generate a lot of good conversation from a different perspective. Because we've seen, I mean, obviously dealing with race and talking about race yes. and things of that nature. Most of the films we've seen directed by white guys kind of has more of a, I mean, let's just be honest, has more of a white point of view. Right. I'm really excited about this for both of those reasons. It'll help bring a different perspective. Well, I'm and, excited um, about watching this film in particular for a couple of reasons. One, obviously it's Denzel, and right. we, we know his performance is going to be through the roof. Right. But mainly for me, going hand-in-hand hand with Black History Month, I don't know a lot about the Malcolm X person. Right. I, I don't know the history there, and I don't know if it's something that I wasn't taught enough of in school or it's just something that just didn't register with me. Yeah. But I literally don't know anything hardly about I, Malcolm X. Yeah, I think Malcolm X, he was talked about in history, but he was overshadowed or overpowered a lot, I think, by Martin Luther King Jr. Right. Um, there was a lot more talk of him. I mean, if we're to be honest, I think it's because it's more palatable to talk about Martin Luther King Jr. than Malcolm X, just because I think Malcolm X had a few ideals and views that could be seen a little more radical? aggressive or radical or almost violent, Gotcha. Uh, whereas Martin Luther King Jr. wasn't. And okay. so that's what I mean by I feel like maybe it's probably more palatable to teach uh, gotcha. in classes so doesn't make that right obviously oh, obviously but no. i don't know we can dive in more obviously yeah. on the back half and and uh, I'm, I'm excited man i'm excited to watch it so i'm excited too so we're gonna go watch the movie now as we do here on the show that's right uh, if you guys haven't seen malcolm x if you're one of five people in the world who haven't seen it or if you just haven't seen it in a long time hit pause on the podcast right now and then go pop it in the dvd player and watch it with us yeah and come back on the back half and we'll just kind of compare notes and see what you guys think about it uh, versus what I think about it and versus what Jim thinks about it because he's never seen it either. So this is going to be a really good episode, I think. So we will see you guys on the back end. How do you feel? Awesome. Who do we want to hear? Malcolm Are we going to bring them on? Yeah. Yes, we're going to bring them on. Let us bring them on with a round of applause. So I have to stand here today as what I was when I was born. A black man. When I was a kid, I was so poor, I used to think that not for sale was a brand name. You've been sitting down and laying down and bowing down for 400 years. I think it's time to stand up. Looking like a monkey. The white man sees you and laughs. He laughs because he knows you ain't white. Man, who are you? No, the question is, who are you? Allah has sent us a messenger. A black man named Elijah Muhammad. He teaches us that the true nature of the original man, the black man, is righteousness. So if the nature of the black man is righteousness, no. And the true nature of the white man is wicked. The average first offender gets two years for burglary. But our crime wasn't burglary. It was sleeping with white girls. They threw the book at us. Burglary, count one, eight to ten years. Count two, eight The Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches us that the white man is a devil. Mm, I sure met some in my life. No, he teaches us that all white men don't you ever in your life say anything against my mother. The time you break the seal on that liquor bottle, that's a government seal yes, you're breaking. Oh, I say it, I say it again. You've been had. You've been took. You've been hoodwinked. Bamboozled. Let us stray. You're lost in the darkness. But Elijah Muhammad has come to bring you into the light. Elijah Muhammad can get you out of prison, the prison of your mind. 
the first man I ever feared, and I don't mean fear such as one has of a gun, but the fear one has of the power of the sun. I pledge myself to him, even if it costs me my life. These are the questions you and I have to ask. How did we get this mind? You're not an American. You're an African who happens to be an American. We didn't land on Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock landed on us. Prison crawling around like an animal. He's the one that brought me to the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And the Honorable Elijah Muhammad brought me back from the dead. Don't you raise your voice in my My faith had been shattered in a way I can never fully describe. The thing to me that is worse than death itself is betrayal. You see, I could conceive death, but I couldn't conceive betrayal. There can be no black-white unity until there's first some black unity. We cannot think of uniting with others until we have first learned to unite amongst ourselves. We cannot think of being acceptable to others until we have first proven acceptable to ourselves. Sing and shout and hope for something in the hereafter. We can have it right now, brother. We can have it right now. Come on down. Two o'clock. See you later. Salam alaikum. You know what that means, brother? That means peace be unto you. You may be shocked by these words, but I have eaten from the same plate, drunk from the same glass, and prayed to the same God with fellow Muslims whose eyes were blue, whose hair was blonde, and whose skin was the whitest of white. And we were all brothers, truly. People of all colors and races believing in one God and one human. The assassination of Malcolm X was an unfortunate tragedy. And it reveals that there are still uh, numerous people in our nation who have degenerated to the point of expressing dissent through murder and uh, we haven't learned to disagree without being violently disagreeable all right and we are back man <laughs> it's the year of the long movie here on dude what <laughs> <laughs> i promised i would start checking running times oh, apparently i'm not doing my job no it's all good so um we can knock malcolm x off the list it's a big one to knock off the list. I'd say it's a huge film for Denzel. I tell you what, you want to talk about someone who can just command the screen. Immediately his presence. That is a man who commands, I mean, he... I'm under the absolute belief there is no one in Hollywood that commands the screen better than Denzel Washington. I, there's I no one else. Yeah. The second he comes on screen, it doesn't matter what performance it is, what movie, it doesn't matter. Something about his eyes, yeah. something about his mannerisms, the way he carries himself. There's an intensity know? about yeah. him. Yeah. And then he can disarm you with that smile. I mean, it's crazy. There is no one who has a stronger on-screen presence than Denzel Washington, period, ever. Well, I won't say I don't think there ever will be. But for my money, through Hollywood till now, no one else. It is powerful when yeah. you see him on screen. Crazy. Yeah. Whatever project that you are watching, he automatically amps it up by 10, 12 ticks. I yeah. mean, just cranking the volume up on it. Just by him being there. That is insane. It is. I'm just clicking through all the movies that I have seen with Denzel, right. and I'm like, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, we've talked about it before. You know, I've, I've said, you know, the movie American Gangster. That is my favorite Denzel Washington movie. Yeah. His presence in that movie is just crazy. He has such a wide range of emotions throughout the course of that film. Right. You know, he's intense. He's a lovable character as well. Uh, he's loyal. He's, he's fierce. You know, he's vulnerable. All of that. Yeah. He can just command so much. I'm impressed. I'm just impressed with him. No, I agree. I mean, this film as well. Yes. Amazing job as Malcolm X. Well, like I said, you know, in the opening, I don't know much about Malcolm X just from a history standpoint. I really yeah. don't. But how can you not feel like 
<laughs> he just embodied yep. Malcolm X. And you're watching him through these scenes and just his presence on the camera, his mannerisms, the way he carries himself through every scene. Like, nothing is wasted in his performance at all. No, definitely not. And it's interesting. So, like, his first reading uh, for Malcolm X was, like, back in the 80s, and it was for a play. Denzel didn't know much about Malcolm X, really. Uh, and so he read up, you know, kind of a biography and just started studying a lot of that, studying a lot of his speeches and a lot of that. Really got to know the character back when he was doing a play. Like, all of that really, I think, prepared him even more so. Right. For his role, obviously, in this film, which, I don't know, I thought that was interesting. He felt some connections to Malcolm X because at the time that he was studying that originally, like, he was around the same age that Malcolm was when he died. Malcolm was raised by his mom, for the most part. Dad was a preacher, kind of same situation, I guess, for Denzel as well, which I didn't know that. So I guess he kind of felt like a kindred connection in that level as right. well. So I was thinking about, we've done dramas, we've done, I don't think we've actually done an actual historical film, but... Probably the closest uh, thing would maybe be Braveheart. Maybe. From a yeah. historical standpoint, yeah. that would be yeah. the closest thing, but even and then I think some we talked about that on that episode, how some of the history is skewed just for the storytelling purposes. Right. So this would be, I'd say, the first biography type yeah. film, yeah, that we, biographical so. film that we've done. Right. This isn't a documentary, but it's a film that's trying to capture the story of a real life person right. that, that really lived an historically. An embodiment. Kind of. Yes. For you, how does that work? What makes that work for you? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head just talking about the preparedness and the study that Denzel put into it. Even before he was even offered this role, you know, learning the, the, the man, the, the history of the man, and getting familiar with that, finding something that he can connect with. I think whenever you do a movie like this, you're going to have more success if you can connect with that character or that person that you're going to portray and allow that persona to just kind of wash over you and just accept it in and then go for the ride with it, that's when you're going to find your success in something like that. Because I think a lot of times whenever you see like these you know, biographical films, more times than not, it's an actor portraying a person instead of an actor becoming the person. Right. And I think Denzel nailed it on this one. <laughs> I would agree. Yeah. Just even his look, I would say, especially because in the end they're showing, you know, yeah, the real the, life pictures. Right. And I don't know, to me, he, I feel like he nailed that. So. I, it was almost as if he was born to play the part. Honestly. Yeah. It's another one of those roles. Can you see someone else playing the role? Just from a physical appearance, no. Yeah. I mean, you really can't. A young Denzel playing this role? Because this was, what year was this? 92? 92, I believe, yeah. 91 or 92, so yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Obviously, Black History Month. Yes. Uh, Denzel Washington, Malcolm X. I mean, we've dealt with race on the show before. Right. Immediately, my mind goes to American History X. Yes. Which was about white supremacy and white racism and just kind of this extreme view. And I found it interesting because, obviously, this is a film that was about a real-life character, a real-life person, directed by a, a black director. And a lot of the content really, especially, I'd say the first half, really dealt with the opposite of what we dealt with with American History X, which I would say is racism, if you will, from the standpoint of being black. Right. I guess as a white Midwestern guy. That's me, Jim. <laughs> I guess walk us through that process for you, sitting and watching this film. Well, the first half of the film, 
it, this is it's kind of odd. It really felt like I was watching two movies. Yeah, the first half where you see you know his life before he is basically brought to Islam, and then uh, you know the second half where he's living through that and working through that and, and becoming the public figure that he becomes. The first half it really kind of gives you an idea of what it's going on in our country with regards to how black people are viewed and the life that they live and. <sighs> It just it makes you it makes you pissed off is what it does when you see that. You know, we've talked about it before. You know, we don't see different people, we just see people. Right. You know? Yeah, you're black, you're Mexican, you're Asian, I'm white, whatever. We're people. Guys like us. We have the mindset that that's where we're at. And we understand that there are conflicts in the world that people are still struggling through every single day. And it's sad that people are still having to go through that. You know, when you watch a movie like this and you look back at a time in our country where, you know, black people are treated the way that they're treated, it does. It pisses you off. Sure. You know, it goes back to that whole thing. Like I said, I'm ready to be beyond that. Yeah. I'm ready for our country to be better than that. I'm ready for our country to be the flag bearer and the standard for the rest of the world to know that when it comes to racism and treating other people in a demeaning manner and knocking them down because of the color of their skin, that we as a society and as a country, we're going to stand up and let the rest of the world know we're not taking that shit here because yeah. it's stupid. So when you see that in the, in the film, it gives you an insight to how far we've come and how far we still need to go. Sure. So, yeah, the first half of the film, it was a good window into the life of a black man trying to figure out your way, trying to figure out how to navigate life living essentially in a white man's world. It was a brutal thing to see a lot of that stuff, especially the scenes with uh, his father and their house being set on fire and stuff like that. And, you know, that becomes mirror image later on with him as mm-hmm. well. It's just crazy. Because, see, you know, I mean, that goes back, you know, you and I talked off air, you know, about the question of morality and how you can't really legislate morality. Right. We talked about that enough off air. We don't need to talk right, about it right, on air. Right. But the idea of just killing someone, mm-hmm. I mean, really think about that. Killing someone. For the color of their skin? Can you even fathom that? Like, this day and age, right now, could you fathom actually going and killing a black man? I can't. Yeah. I can't fathom killing anyone. It's ridiculous to even think that. Yeah. But it was commonplace back then. And that is so pathetic and sad. Yeah. First half of the film was it was interesting to see. From a film standpoint, from sure. a cinematic standpoint, there was a lot of weirdness going on. Yeah, with, like what? Odd film editing, weird scene cuts. Like, we talked about it whenever cut to his father being thrown on the tracks and being yeah. ran over it just came out of nowhere pretty random first time. it just popped right in yeah there was no point of view it just it was like we literally thought that the movie skipped and we had to rewind and it didn't skip it made no sense well i think because even the scene leading up to that where they're kind of chasing each other and being yeah. playful and for me it kind of didn't make sense anyway like that scene well, yeah, because a little weird because of their age right they're grown men that are yeah. acting you know they're playing and but then you know the scene where where Denzel's laying on the ground the only other thing i can think of is it triggered a thought of his father yeah, the way that, his father went and that makes sense but just but the even way the, cut it, and, the way yeah. it was shot and the way it's it was very, presented it just it made zero sense yeah it was very odd it was extremely odd i made a note that the first half of the film where you're basically seeing all the uh the bad stuff that he's going through you know yeah. the robbery and drugs and all that stuff the organized crime crap or whatever it looked like goodfellas that's interesting you say that it looked like it was literally I hate to say it, but it looked like Spike Lee had Goodfellas playing in the background. It was like, all right, we're going to film it like this. So one of Spike Lee's professors was Martin Scorsese, as well as 
Spike Lee was in a, I guess, a class with Oliver Stone, and Martin Scorsese was the professor. That. So there is, there's some interesting ties there because the flashback to JFK, yeah, all of that film stuff from JFK was actually in the movie JFK. In the movie JFK, it, I knew it was because I'm a JFK nerd. So and I've seen that movie. I don't know how many times. Yeah. So, so they th- yeah. there was that crossover there, but then also there right. were some elements of because of the stop motion, like the just. The way certain things were shot, the way certain edits were done, the narration or the voiceover, most of the film, a lot of that stuff was pulled from Goodfellas in that aspect. So it's interesting that you saw that because that was something that I had kind of put in my notes of like, well, if it comes up, I'll talk about it. It was blatant. So blatant to the fact that, I hate to say it, but it didn't feel like a Spike Lee film. It, yeah. felt, it felt like Spike Lee put his name on somebody else's film. And that's... That's kind of not good. Yeah, which opinion. I want to say this was this was only like his third or fourth film. Not saying that he shouldn't already be coming into his own, but I, right. I think that you know he's probably pulling a lot from directors that have gone before him. Well, yeah, you know, I get that, that element, but, but I mean, it just it felt like I was watching somebody else's film for the first half. Now, the right. second half of the film, I felt like that took on a whole new light. That went a whole new direction. I enjoyed the second half of the film more than the first half of the film. I almost felt like I could have done without the first half of the film. I get it in the sense of it sets up his transition and Mm -hmm. telling the story to who he becomes but it almost feels like you could have cut that in half yeah you could have maybe streamlined it a little bit more and not had so much yeah almost to the point of starting in the prison yeah and giving some backstory to that maybe that that could have been good that that probably would have been pretty good you know maybe not having so much of the story leading up to that uh, that point but. yeah well i mean just like there was just so much you didn't need they spent like what, was it, like a 5 minute section towards the beginning of in the big dance hall the choreographed number there with the yeah. now which i did make a note uh, the big band music is awesome that's some sweet music from back then no it definitely was, <laughs> it was very it definitely good. was but no they could have definitely cut back on some of the stuff that was going on in the first part of the film sure. just to kind of streamline it and get to the point of the film in my opinion the point of the film is Malcolm X. The transition and then where he becomes in the media representing what they call him? Elijah Muhammad. But what what do you always call him? The great Elijah? The the honorable. Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Yeah. That whole transition into that and all of that that came with it, that is the chunk of the film that got me most interested in the film. Sure. I could have done literally without... Just the telling of that that element. The first hour and a half probably could have been cut down to like 50 minutes. Sure. Cut a half hour out Streamline it, clean it up, and I think it would have made for a much better film. I wonder if maybe the reasoning in doing that was trying to build a compelling argument, I guess, for the first transformation that happened with him coming into Islam. And maybe they're trying to give you more of a feel of the type of person he was before. They were. That's what it was. But yeah, no, I agree with you, though. It It does seem like almost two separate films. It really did. Mashed together. Almost, so. not to downplay the film, but sure, almost sure. like a miniseries event. Something you would see on TV. This is the first half, and then the next night we're going to show you the second half. Yeah. That's kind of how it felt like watching the film. To me, it just it could have been cleaned up. Sure. And it could have sure. been. It, it would have made the film more impactful instead of just making it long. Okay. Were there any other things that you saw that you didn't like? Well, I made a note. Cheesy selection of film shots. And that was... I understood what they were doing in the scene. It just looked like shit. (laughs) 
Okay. Which, which <laughs> is there a scene that you have in mind? When he's in the prison and he's envisioning Muhammad talking to him. Oh, yes. That okay. whole scene just looked so lame. Yeah. I don't know if it was just a product of the time since it was early 90s. Sure, sure. Which it probably was. And that's okay, I guess. But just watching it now, it's like, oh, what is this? Yeah. Just questionable shots throughout the whole entire film, really. Just... Quick cuts, weird angles, weird shots, weird dialogue in some scenes, Mm -hmm. forced dialogue. But it's one of those things where in some scenes where the dialogue felt a little iffy, Denzel more than made up for it. Sure. His own performance. So kind of brushed it under the rug. So you're like, okay, it's fine. Yeah. Papa Denzel's got us. Papa Denzel. Which I wonder, some of that, I think, is just Spike Lee, though, right? Like, I mean, he, he's got a it's very a unique... It's he's a got style. a very interesting yeah. and unique style anyway. It's a it's a unique style, and I think in the second half of the film, you got more of what the Spike Lee style was than you did in the beginning. In the beginning, sure. it just... It really did. It felt like a good film. Like he was copying somebody. Yeah. But, hmm. yeah, he's definitely got his own style. I mean, any good director, they have their own style. Sure. Whenever you're filming, you become a director, you want to carve your own place in Hollywood. Sure. And you want to put your stamp on something. Something. So whenever somebody's watching, they're like, that's a Spielberg film. That's yeah. a Spike Lee film. But yeah, sometimes it's just kind of odd. You know, I didn't feel like some of the shots were needed. So what are some things that stood out to you that you really enjoyed about the film? Denzel, man. Yeah. Just Denzel's performance. He's one of those people in a performance like this. You want to see him on screen every single minute of the film. Right. You don't want him off camera. So anytime there's scenes where he's not on there, in my head, I'm going, boo. Right. He commands so much of the screen. I really enjoyed the scenes where he's making the speeches. A lot of that is him emulating Malcolm X. Sure. But about 80% of that is Denzel. Oh, yeah. Denzel could be a politician if he wants to. Oh, yeah, he could. could He's got a cadence about him. He could be a politician. He could be a preacher. Anybody who has to stand at a podium with a microphone and spread the message of whatever it is he's trying to spread, Denzel can do it. No, I agree. I can't say enough about the guy. All the scenes where he's making speeches, Mm -hmm. thought those were powerful. In the second half of the film of, of Malcolm X, you kind of see the transformation where he's kind of been taught one thing and he fully is invested and he believes it. Yeah. And then he finally realizes because his wife is, she sees it. He doesn't because he was blind. He's essentially turned over his life to this guy and this belief. This man saved his life. Now he's starting to see all the little things just kind of peel away and he's yeah. seeing all the darkness behind it. And these flimsy excuses of he's a man and he has flaws and all yeah. this stuff. Uh, what was it? Talked about Solomon who Solomon, had like the 700 Solomon wives has, yet the wisest. Yeah. Solomon has 700 wives or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. What was it about Noah? Yeah, he, Noah was, Noah was, a, a, was a drunk was but a drunk, he was he given the him, ark. And, you know, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, look. Alright. <laughs> you probably know more about this than well, I do because I, you are because you're more into religion. You're more in tune with religion than I am. Very much. I'm so. not a religious person. I wrote down here, I'm not religious, but this shit seems made up. Yes. You know, with regard to them using that argument to justify what Elijah Muhammad was doing. Right. It just seems like it's a convenient case of using religion to excuse away your sins. Yes. And that's bullshit. Yeah. So it's interesting. I saw parallels with this film and American History X. Because you see that. You see where Derek, you know, he goes through this transformation process where he thought that this guy who he looked up to and then he began to see like, oh, this guy isn't all that he's cracked up to be. And there's this transformation, this shift that happens. And then he becomes a better person for it. And so you see kind of the same type of deal with uh, with Malcolm X here. Interesting enough, I knew that Malcolm X was a Muslim and I knew that religion probably had 
somewhat of a tie in this film, but I didn't realize how much so. Um, so for me, obviously, my antennas are going off like crazy, yeah. especially anytime that religion's brought up or spiritual things, because I just look at things through that lens right. that I've grown up with. And so, and seeing the parallels even of the struggle of here's Malcolm X who is looking to Elijah Muhammad and basically sees him as this guy who can do no wrong. Then you see the transformation beginning to happen. What I saw even when he was interviewing the mistresses, they were talking about, we just need Muhammad and Elijah or whatever to take care of us. And he said, Allah will take care of you. So you begin to see this transformation of like, wait, this man is flawed, but my faith in Islam hasn't changed. It's not shaken. If anything, it's gotten stronger because the people that were supposed to be teaching me this are jacked up. And so I could relate to that because I've seen, and I've talked about it before, like in in the church world, especially the hypocrisy. I mean, the last major church that I was a part of, the pastor was elevated to this level that he shouldn't have been because he had a teaching gift. He was able to speak. He was a good communicator. Yet he ended up having an affair, just bringing in a lot of other stuff. And people applauded him for it, which is insane. (laughs) Like it it was insane (laughs) to see the manipulation and control that he had. But for me and for a lot of people, because we held him in high regard and high esteem, and I knew the guy better than anybody, and my whole world was rocked. And it wasn't because, oh, he's imperfect. I knew he wasn't perfect. I saw that. But the things that I thought for sure this guy stood for, realizing, okay, even that, I think, was a lie. There was this manipulation, this control. And so I saw all of that with Elijah Muhammad. It was interesting because you asked that. You said, wait a minute, what's going on here? I feel like this guy's just making stuff up, especially about, like, women and like who you like would would you say half your age plus well, seven just, or something it, it, it was, all these rules about you know who the ideal wife for a, a Muslim man is you know it's yeah. you know has to be the right height uh, has to be 20 years younger than the husband plus seven I'm like yeah. I'm scratching my head I'm like what the hell is this yeah, like, where is he pulling that from where is yeah. this coming from like right. what does this even mean yeah. it just sounded like some weird crap somebody just made up yeah. you know yeah. and so that's why I was confused because I'm trying to understand understand because like I said I, I don't know anything about religion I'm not a religious person at all sure okay I don't go to church I've never read the Bible I've read parts of the Bible not a religious person whatsoever so when it comes to, to the idea of religion you have to treat me like a moron because I am <laughs> okay <laughs> I'll do my best no. <laughs> <laughs> Not much of a stretch, I'm guessing. (laughs) So I don't know anything about the Muslim religion. I don't look down on it. I have no idea about it. I can't pass judgment because I don't know anything about it. Sure. So my question was, you know, I knew that Malcolm X was 40s, 50s, somewhere around in there, you right, know, early right. 60s. I don't know the time frame. But the idea of the Muslim religion, I assumed it went back so many years. Yeah, it went stuff. back way further yeah, than way that. Way further than that. But I'm sitting here watching the film. He's talking about Elijah Muhammad, and he's the one, you know, his teachings and all this stuff. And I'm like, wait a minute, is he the one who started the Muslim religion? I'm like, what's going on here? But then you're like, no, this is like a separate branch of... Yeah, you know yeah. The, the Islamic religion, the Muslim religion, it kind of branched off from what dated back hundreds and hundreds of years ago to yeah. now. So I was confused, and I'm sitting there thinking, "Well, what the hell?" You know, one of the teachings was all whites are devils, and I was like, "What?" You're like, "Is that in the Quran?" Yeah. I mean, is yeah. that? I mean, is that literally a thing? Like that 
all white people are the devil? Yeah, because so, you see that scene where they're asking Malcolm X, you know, yeah. do you believe that all white people are the devil? And he just kind of, he doesn't answer. He's like, well, we got a plane to catch, you know, we got to get right. out of here. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, is this something that was just created to kind of service this anger and hostility that black people had towards white people? Because I don't know. It, it was a so 1930s. There's a an arm of Islam, if you will, called uh, the Nation of Islam. It was started in the U.S. in uh, Michigan and Detroit by Wallace D. Ford Muhammad. And basically, their goals were to improve spiritual, mental, social, and economic condition of the African American. Okay. Especially in the U.S., but then humanity just in general. So it started in the 30s. And Elijah Muhammad was basically one of the from like what 35 or 37 or something until his passing, basically was kind of the the guy spearheading this nation of Islam. Okay. And so he had Malcolm X, he had Louis Farrakhan, another one and who actually took over the nation of Islam because it kind of disbanded and then Louis Farrakhan brought it back okay. kind of thing. And so uh, Malcolm X was a part of that movement and obviously he was very much a spokesperson for that for a long period of time until his assassination. And obviously we see that, we see that play out where Malcolm X, he comes to this point of realizing like, wait a minute, what he believes and as he's studying the Quran and as he's studying Islam and what Elijah Muhammad is teaching are two different things. Right. And so, and you see that in pretty much any aspect of religion. I mean, I can, I've seen obviously in the Christian church, especially in America, you have different denominations or yeah. sects or whatever come up, you know. Well, it's like so. we've talked about before, you know, religion so oftentimes it becomes more about the interpretation than the actual religion. Right. For me, because I've grown up in the church world and I have a whole list of baggage that I've brought from that, that like really I've had this crisis of faith in my past, I'd say recent past, but it's been helpful for me. Right. However, a lot of people in the church world maybe used to hold me in high regard. They don't as much anymore because I don't play into the thing that they've always played into. The things that make us feel comfortable as far as the form of religion. And I don't elevate certain things that a lot of my church friends do. And I think because of that, they don't know what to do with me now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> or they're like, you know, why are you why are you hating on this or that? And it's like, I'm not. I still love you guys, but I just don't agree. Because I have seen many where they treat other people like a project. And it's like, right. no, treat them like people because yeah. that's who they are. I wanted to ask you this. I just had a thought just kind of occurred to me. Because you mentioned crisis of faith earlier. Yeah. Do you feel like for people who have religion in their life day to day, and they carry that with them and they accept whatever into their heart, yeah. do you think that a crisis in faith is a good thing? Because in my eyes, what that does is that keeps you constantly looking for the answers. And I, I didn't know what your thought was on that. Yeah, no, I... Dude, awesome question. Seriously. I think anybody, especially that has been trying to walk out their faith in any aspect, if they tell you that, no, that's not normal, they are lying to you. I mean, I grew up in the church world. I came to faith at a very young age. I've served as a leader in different capacities. And I have gone through multiple crises of faith in different seasons of life. And each and every one of those I can look back to and go, I grew as a person. My faith grew. I became stronger because of it. Um, I would argue that it's important, it's essential, and it's needed to grow, to continue to grow. Right. And honestly, I came back to the church world then with a different perspective and a different mindset. Honestly, it changed the way I interacted with church people. It made a lot of church people, especially in leadership, uncomfortable because I began to really open about my junk. Yeah. And 
it made them uncomfortable because they didn't know how to deal with that. I think oftentimes what can happen is you you get dead set on this is the way it is. Well, that's what I was going to say because whenever you were talking about the idea of airing out your own junk, you know, stuff that you had kind of built up in the tank that you wanted to question or talk about, it made me think that I get the sense that some religions, you know, organized religions, sure, um, would find that questioning disruptive. Very much so. And just goes against, you know, this is the way it is. You know, this is this is what we believe. So just follow that. And then you try and raise your hand and ask the question. Much like Malcolm X in in the prison scene. Dude, and in that moment, I can relate to that. The fact that he's bringing up the fact of like, hey, Jesus wasn't white. Yeah. He's not wrong. You know, I mean, when I worked in the inner city, that was the one big thing. Honestly, that is when I came to this realization more so because I'm the people that I'm dealing with are mainly African-American, some Hispanic. Everybody in the room does not look like me. I'm the odd one out when I'm in this room. And as I'm working downtown doing inner city work and I see that and I begin to notice a lot of the lessons and everything else and these pictures and all. And I'm like, whoa, I had no clue that we have lived literally whitewashed our right. faith right. because it's more palatable for us. Blonde haired, blue eyed Jesus right. is more palatable for me than to look at him as like he's actually more Arabic and more black or the fact that, yeah, he didn't have this wavy long hair like Fabio, like he actually was probably just a busted up looking carpenter dude, you know, and like, but it's just amazing. You don't, you don't think about those things until you're in it and you, you see it. But like that moment, yeah, Malcolm X, when he's questioning the authority, dude, I can relate to that because I've brought up a lot of things that people in authority, people that get paid, that is their job. Right. It would really mess up their income. <laughs> you're right because it's yes, you're right. It's like where do you see that? It's just interesting that here's a guy dealing with in Islam, but just that element and a lot of the things that he was dealing with, I can relate to as a as an American Christian. Well, um, I think it goes back to that whole constantly looking for the answers. Yeah. We're all the same people in that regard. We want answers. We're looking for something. Those people who have religion, like you, you have religion in your life. Malcolm X, he had found a religion in his life. He wants answers. You're wanting answers. Two are no different from each other. Different belief systems set up, but you're looking for the answers. Sure. I just found it interesting, the idea and the concept of crisis of faith. You see that happen with Malcolm X. When he goes through all that he went through with Muhammad, and then he starts to question things, and then he starts to reevaluate. He breaks away doing his own thing. He's created his own thought process. Right. But then even that changes when he goes on the pilgrimage. Yeah. So he goes through those changes. I just I found that interesting because he was going to have that talk in front of that classroom, yeah. you know, at the college, and that white girl walks up and she's like, I can't remember exactly what she said, but she's basically like, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm a non, I think she said I'm a non-religious person or something like that, or yeah, I'm not prejudiced, I'm not I'm prejudiced, not, yeah. you know, I, I don't hold any prejudice against you, but I believe in what you're doing. I, I believe in what you're doing. Yeah. You know, what as a white person, what can I do to help you? And he's like, nothing. Yeah. I was like, wow, that's really narrow-minded. To see that evolution as he goes through and realizing that, hey, we can work together. We can come up with something better. We can do better. Just seeing that evolution in his character was pretty cool. And that actual that scene and I think I when you had said that I was like there's an interesting thing about that scene is that that actually happened in Malcolm X's life and it wasn't until later in life that he regretted that. That was one thing he looked back on regret of kind of his response, you know, in, in that moment. Yeah, you see that. You see that transformation happen. 
uh, when he's in Mecca. And speaking of Mecca, that was another thing that I wanted to talk about for a moment. So there were some fun facts, but not a whole lot. Spike Lee did a really good job of actually capturing Malcolm X's life. Like there's not a whole lot of controversy behind this biography, basically this retelling of his story. But something I found very interesting, this was the first non-documentary and first American film to be given permission to film in Mecca. Cool. Big deal. <laughs> it's a big deal. A really big deal. I actually enjoyed all those scenes when he went on the pilgrimage. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Well, I made a note. When you're seeing the scenes where he's going across the desert, he's dressed in white with all these other people, you know, he's got Islamic people with him, there's black people with him, there's white people with him, yeah. and he realizes that there's this unification amongst everybody yeah. when they have one common goal, and they're working together, and they, they have a belief in one thing. And so I made a note, spirituality can be unifying. Yeah. And I, just for me, not being a religious person whatsoever, but I feel like... If you strip away the restrictions of religious denomination and you just focus on the spirituality of a faith, I think if people can just get on board with that and just realize that we're all people and we all want faith in something and we all want to believe in something, I feel like you can unify with that. Yeah. I feel like people can come together and be brothers and sisters and not have to worry about these labels that we're constantly trying to put on things. I don't know. Maybe that is just naive thinking, and it probably is, but it's a hell of a lot better than watching people tear each other down for the sake of a label. And that's just depressing. Which brings me back to another note that I wrote down, because there was something I found interesting. The scene where he finishes a speech, and they go back to like a little diner or whatever, and it's him sitting at a table with a couple other guys, and they got all these, these dudes standing around there, and the young kid comes in, and he's like, I want to be a Muslim. And he, you know, he's asking him, do you even know what that means and all that stuff? And he's like, you know, I wouldn't join something if you don't know what it is. And he's like, yeah. he goes to leave, and he's like, but well, I wouldn't give up so easily either, you know, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. So it's like he was testing him. But one thing that I I thought was kind of interesting was in that moment he was like we need young warriors like you to join our organization that kind of hit me because it's like okay is this an organization or a religion yeah so i thought that was kind of interesting i didn't know if you had any take on that or if you even noticed that or not but no i yeah i like, definitely noticed at what point does your religious belief break away and not be a religion anymore and now you're just an organization what is that i don't i, don't, I didn't get that yeah this was the time where he was still a part of nation of islam i think right yeah, yeah. to me i think it's kind of telling of what's to come for malcolm of coming to that realization that he is part of an organization that is an extension of his religion. Which and essentially, so, I mean, you break it down in the simplest terms, it's it's a business. Because you see the other guys reaping the spoils of it, and he's getting nothing, but yeah, he's doing all the legwork. Yeah. Because of growing up in the, that world, I can tell you that there is a very fine line between a business and a lot of the organization side of things. Right. And so that's where I think you see man getting in the way and you see the, the strive for power. You see that with uh, Elijah Muhammad, right? Like this desire for power, this desire for control, this desire to manipulate. Then when you have a purist, if you will, come along and kind of question that, they feel threatened. You're right. threatening my power. You're threatening my 
authority. Yep. You're threatening my income. You know, you're looking behind the curtain, you know, exactly. and you're revealing like this, our secrets. Right. And that obviously is punishable by death for many. The same thing happened with Malcolm X. I mean, he's murdered by this arm of Islam, if you will, that it's he terrible. used to, to preach and proclaim and was their biggest fan. But because he kind of begins to see what it is and kind of go against status quo and they murder him for it, you know? And so it, it's, um, it's crazy and it happens. It happens often, especially within the, the religious world. And I mean, I've seen many people that begin to question things in the church world and then they get marked, they get blackballed. They get kind of marked as this heretic and they're these things. It's like, I would beg to differ on some of that. So, you know, it's, it's just interesting. I don't know. I mean, Jesus himself was murdered by religious people but yet you talk to church people and they'd be like well i would have never been like them it's like no but but you are you are that's the thing like we are like what are you talking about but cool so i don't have any other questions about the film did you have any other final thoughts or anything i put questionable music i made a note of that we've talked about this i don't know how many times with so many different movies the music music was good in this film a bit too much. There were a lot of scenes where the music just did not fit with the scene. There were scenes where the music just wasn't needed with the scene. Sure. And in there were some cases where the music was just too much for the scene. Like the scene where he's first approached in the shower after getting out of the hole in yeah. prison. And he's sitting there and he's messing with his hair and everything. That guy comes in there and starts talking to him. And he's first approaching him about what he can do to get out of prison all this stuff. There's music playing in that scene that don't need to be playing. If I remember correctly, it's kind of like this 20s kind of jazz kind of vibe yeah. playing in the background. It's like, what? That did not need to be there at all. Do you think that was meant to be like there's music in the shower? It's a prison. I doubt there's music in the shower. It's true. But yeah, I mean, there was a hand handful of scenes throughout the whole entire movie where the music just was either not needed or it was just not the right type of music. Sure. I think it was a, a type of musical vibe that Spike Lee was trying to set for the film because right. of the, uh, the time frame that it's set in. It just wasn't needed. Yeah. It kind of detracted from a lot of scenes for me. Very interesting. Well, if you don't have any other thoughts, Brian, I guess now would be the time to ask, what is your ranking? Are you saying you want answers? I want answers. You want answers! I want the truth! handle the truth this was uh, i enjoyed watching this to get the historical background of malcolm x because i didn't know anything about malcolm x sure. so this was great for me because i, I got to learn about the man and yeah. where he came from and what he came to be i really enjoyed the second part of the film yeah the back half of the film is really good his rise how he became this big huge a social political figure I enjoyed watching that struggle that he had trying to find the answers, feeling the betrayal, and then going through and breaking away and finding his own path. I enjoyed all of that. That was great. I really probably could have done without the first half of the film. To a degree, it was entertaining to see that, to get some kind of perspective of where he came from. Yeah. But overall... I felt like it could have been shaved down. We talked about that earlier. Denzel is just powerful in anything he does. This movie, I'm going to give it a four. I'm a dude playing a dude disguised like as another five. dude. Tropic Thunder treatment. From a movie standpoint, it was only a three for me. From a, an actual movie standpoint, Denzel makes it a four. Gotcha. If there were certain aspects of the film that had been taken care of, music, the way it was shot, trimmed down for length, just little things here and there that detracted from the film, if those were cleaned up, this would be a five. But for me, it's only a four. Sure. And Denzel brings it up to four. It's probably a mid to high four okay. just because Denzel is so powerful on screen. Right. Okay. Good deal. I did enjoy it, though. 
I think this is a, a film that we have so many questions these days in our society about religion, about race, yeah. and this kind of covers so much of both. It really does. You know, yeah. I felt like this film, race and racism, was a very prevalent backdrop. But yeah. for me, this film was more about religion yeah. and religious faith and what it what it means to have an association with God, Jesus, Allah, right. you know, whatever it comes down to for you. That's what this film was about with regard to Malcolm X, his religious pursuit for what the truth is for him. Yeah. I feel like this film is an important film for someone to watch who has questions who doesn't know like for me someone like me I didn't know anything about him I didn't know anything about the Muslim religion anything like that I think this is an important film to watch you have the questions yeah. and you're needing some answers, you should watch this film. It's important. No, I agree. Um, it, it's interesting you saw it as because you hear the extreme sides of both, especially on the race issue. Yes. And I think this really gave me a little more perspective into where some of that extreme hatred towards just whites in general right. has come from. And so, I don't know, it was just, it was to me, it was interesting to kind of get some of that perspective. Like, and I didn't know anything about Malcolm X either. I just knew that he kind of had some radical ideals and stuff. So, but actually, to to watch the film and to I, I, I very much appreciated it. And yeah, I think it's definitely worth watching at least once. For sure, you know, I think so. For sure, definitely. Especially so. the back half of the film. I think there's a lot to be learned there. I mean, knowledge is power. We know that. Yeah. I mean, it's an old adage. You can't have enough knowledge, and that's about everything: religion, yeah. race, all of it. The more you know, the more informed a person you are. So when you go to speak about something, you don't sound like a blathering idiot. And you're just spouting off BS just because that's what you've been programmed in your brain. Right. Watching a film like this is important, especially if you have no preconceived notion about something. You don't have any kind of thought about something because you don't have any education on that thing. I think it's important. Awesome. Normally, you would give a film That's in comparison, right? But um, we established last week, though, if it's a four or five that you probably... Just going to go ahead and leave it be. Leave it be. Yeah, four yeah. or five. It's it's a solid film. Don't need to give any other film suggestions. Yep. Okay. Uh, and I think, you know, like I said, Denzel brings it up to a four. It's an important watch. If you don't have the answers and you, you're wanting, you know, you have those questions about race, religion, yeah. especially from that era, this is a good film to watch. But also... If you just want to see a powerful performance, yeah. watch this film. Denzel just knocks it's, it out. It's of the definitely, park. especially if you're a Denzel fan. Absolutely. Absolutely. To have that in his filmography, like that's crazy. Yeah, right. He, he's it's just, just he's another just reason why he's a powerhouse. <laughs> I mean, he is legit, man. But yeah, we gave it a four, so there's really no reason to give uh, any other film suggestions. We're going to leave it be. You know, right. Go check that film out for sure. And you know what, Brian? Yeah, man. We still love Denzel. <laughs> I was watching clips of Denzel earlier, man, in American Gangster. Oh, my God. He's so good. He's just so good. He is. Just everything. Man. Everything he's in. He's awesome. I know that he he oftentimes is kind of giving um, giving a helping hand up yes. uh, to others. Yes. You know, so it, it's... um. Just all around seems like a good, legit dude. Yeah. You know? In fact, this just hit me just now. We talked about on the first half, happy coincidences, and you guys just heard us talking about Black Panther with Chadwick Boseman, the late, great Chadwick Boseman. My God, just I'm a huge fan, loved his work, a talent that was shut down too soon in life, in my opinion. The the ceiling, there was no ceiling for that guy. He was going to go to the moon. But Denzel Washington actually paid for him to go to college. He's one of those students that got sponsored anonymously by Denzel to go to college. And they created a bond over that whenever Chadwick was able to basically pay him back 
so to speak, yeah. for that. And yeah. so when they did the Kennedy Center honors for Denzel and Chadwick Boseman gave his speech for that, it's something you guys should watch. And hopefully, uh, you know, I think maybe we can try and find it and Jim can link to it on this episode, but it gives you chills yeah. and, and it, it tugs at your heart and, and it makes you emotional hearing the gratitude that Chadwick Boseman had for Denzel and what Denzel has done, not only for him, but for the black community and for young artists that are coming up in Hollywood. So I got nothing but love and respect for Denzel. I second that. Yes, sir. <laughs> you know, we had a very important announcement that we were going to do on our show on this episode with regard to <laughs> with regard to time, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, this was kind of around where, you know, our mantra was life gets in the way. Yes. And um, we'd been saying that a lot. And, and you guys that where... have stuck around with us all this time, you know that that mantra never went away. Right. And so from a historical standpoint, from a behind-the-scenes, <laughs> inside-baseball moment here, this is where um, the wheels begin to fall off a little bit for a us. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit. And I, I think hindsight, you know, we learned a lot. Yes. Uh, we were going hard out of the gate yeah. uh, when we were on homers. And then... Homers! Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, but we also worked at FedEx. Oh, man. Um, you yeah. know, the demon suckers that yes. they are. And yes. um, just realizing, like, oh... We can't do the heavy production uh, that you do. Right. <laughs> well, th look, here's the thing, man. We've said it for a long time. You know, our post-production really is what sets our podcasts apart from other podcasts. Now, we don't want to sound like all the other cookie-cutter movie review podcasts. Yeah. We want to give you guys an audio experience for the movie lover. Yeah. That's what you guys are. You're looking for something that you can listen to, but that you can fall deep into yeah. that's related to movies. Yeah. Movies are so visual, but... This is a podcast, so we got to give you something. Yeah. And in order to do that and give you something that's worthwhile, got to put some work into it. Well, combine that and the fact that life does get in the way <laughs> and, you know, the work schedule and everything, it just, it got to be too much. The fact that we made it 30 episodes in a row before was, having to do this. It really this, was a milestone. It was yeah. awesome. It yeah. was incredibly awesome. Throw into that a couple of uh, holiday specials as well. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah. What were we thinking? Yeah. What, what were we thinking? But indeed. we're still here, Jim. We are still here. We're still alive, we're still damn standing. it. We're still standing. <laughs> but we switched to an every other week release, and Jim was a little sad about that. Yeah. But it wasn't bad. Yeah. It was okay. Jim got over it quick. I did. Which you will find out hearing on the next episode after this one, which was episode 31. Now, we're not releasing episode 31 next week. No. Okay? We're not doing that. Episode 31 will fall down the line somewhere uh, in our uh, schedule of archival releases. You'll have that to look forward to. There's, it's not related to any holiday or anything special. It's just another episode. So when we get to 31 in our timeline... That's when you'll hear it. Yeah. But on that episode, Jim had a had kind of a had you know, feelings. He had some <laughs> he had some feelings, but he was able to come back in off the yeah. ledge. He was fine. Yeah. He was fine. Episode thirty one was called "Smothered in Gravy." <laughs> Jim has a lot of problems with this episode. I had a lot of problems with that episode as well. <laughs> the categories were dude movies, are you scared, and get ready to cry. So you'll have to tune in to episode thirty one when we release that from the archive to find out which category got chosen. <laughs> <laughs> And to find out what the movies were. And let me tell you, the cover art was just exquisite. It was something. 
But you have to go back in the archive. We, you don't hear it on here. We cut it off of here. But you got to go back in the archive, dowhatpod.com slash archive, and check out Jim's reactions whenever he hears the movie selections for this. It's pretty hilarious. Jim always has the greatest reactions, and they're so much fun. So much fun. There's not really much else to tell about this episode. We had some great in-depth conversation. Some of that did not make it, though. To the show. Yeah. We have some behind the scenes stuff, which, you know, I save all the behind the scenes stuff. This is your opportunity to get logged in to all access, all access, which you can get to on Facebook. Really easy. Jim's working on an all access section for the website. Uh, hopefully we'll get that going down the road. But for right now, we have all access on Facebook. You want to get in on all access because it's behind the scenes stuff. It's pictures, us interacting with people who are just kind of like an elite number. And we're going to try and release some of the behind the scenes stuff from this episode. Some really good conversation that didn't make it to the episode. We're going to try and release in all access. So if you get on there, you'll be able to listen to that stuff before anyone else does. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. If for some reason you're not on Facebook, you don't have Facebook, you don't want to join the group, you can always email us. Right. Hey, you guys at dudewhatpod.com. That's right. And just say, hey, I want to be part of all access. Right. And then that way... If you email us that, hey, you guys at dudewhatpod.com, and just say, I want to be in all access. Uh, once we get it going on the website, you'll get an email from us saying, hey, uh, here's the link to that. Here's the password to get in right. and, and go from there. So That's right. Some other fun stuff that you can check out on our website, dudewhatpod.com, where you can find everything that's Dude What related. Ways to support us. It's always good. There's a button on there, the support button. You get on there. There are Amazon links. You can go through Amazon, do your shopping there. You can donate some money, be a producer. You can share the show. You can share your love with us. Oh, my. I don't know where I'm going with you that. Can. but <laughs> by, buying, by buying Dude What Swag. You can share the love with others. Ooh. You can share the love with us. Yes. By being a producer. Or you could share the love with others by, by getting a Dude shirt. Swag. Get a shirt. A Get shirt, a mug. A Get a beanie. Got a trucker hat out there. Ooh, there's a, a trucker hoodie. hat? I think there's a hoodie. I yeah. know a couple people that would like a trucker hat. Yeah. I didn't know we had those. Yeah. Nice. Sweet. Got all kinds of fun the stuff. The point being is, guys, get on there and show us some love. We'd really appreciate that. And you guys can get some cool swag while you're doing it and support the show that way. Wear it out in the town. You know, wear your beanie and your hat, sipping out of your coffee mug. Really cool, man. Just yeah. like a walking billboard for do what. And then we're like, dude, what? What is that? Exactly. And then you can send you them be like, let me, let, me, let me have your phone. Like, give me your quick. phone. Give me your phone. your phone. Don't tackle them. We've learned that in the past. Yeah, Don't tackle them. Don't want to do that. Just grab the phone. <laughs> and so I'll show you what dude what is. And there just you go, go ahead and subscribe and give that five stars if you want. Boom. Five stars, baby, right yeah. there. And leave a review while you're at it yeah. as well. Under so, their handle, that's fine. Of course, yeah, yeah sure. right. <laughs> I mean, we're not, we're not trying to pad anything at all. Like, we're definitely not shilling, not at all. <laughs> Each episode is going to have show notes. Go check those out. We're going to have links to everything. Like I said earlier, Amazon links on there. Do your shopping on there. It shows us that you went to Amazon. It shows Amazon that you came to them through us. And yeah. we'll get a little bit of kickback and another way to support us. It's, it doesn't add anything extra in your cart doesn't give you any crazy fees or anything stupid like that. It just shows you, hey, you went through Dude What, and you did your shopping at Amazon, and we're going to show a little love back to Dude What. That's all it does. Yep. Simple, fun, very timely, up to date. It's what all the hip kids are doing. What the hell did you just say? I don't think hip is... Hip, uh, really, cool cats, I think. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of cool cats, the daddies, man, we're showing them some love yeah. in our show notes as well. Uh, we're going to try and hopefully, maybe, use their music a little bit this year. 
We're changing the format up again this year. Yep. But still showing them a little bit of love. Go check out the daddies. They have great music. Go buy their merch. Show them a little bit of love as well. If you want the deets and you haven't listened to the promo for season three yet. Right. Go check that out. It'll, it'll break it down what uh, what to expect for the season. So. Exactly. Yeah. For sure. I got nothing else, man. No, I'm We're going to go ahead and bounce on out of here. I appreciate you guys tuning in, checking out the show. Go back and check out this episode in full on the archive. And that way you can hear all the other stuff that didn't make it in this re-release. There won't be any Homer stuff anymore. Homers. There won't be any more mentions of Mixler. Mixler. <laughs> but I tell you what you will find. You will find a Chris Pratt Jesus. A Chris Pratt Jesus. Go back in the archive. Do what pod.com slash archive. Check out this episode in full from our original run. Find out what the hell that means. Chris Pratt Jesus. Jim's like, I have no idea what it is, but I'm going to check it out. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and bounce on out of here. We will see you guys next week. Bye, guys. <laughs>